right hand of the Father, what the scriptures say is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God, man. I appreciate you worshiping. I appreciate you praying. And you said that you're here. You actually live inside of us. He doesn't leave us in, and, or forsake us. He doesn't wait for us to come into the church and minister to us there and then leave us to go back into the world for the week. He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You take him everywhere you go. And even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid of anything because he's with you. As Christians, I really wanted to, to start this morning off by reminding us of that, that he's not uh, just the, the child that came in the manger. He's not just the, the God that, that uh, sacrificed himself for us, and he's not just the one who sits at the right hand of the Father this morning. He's with us. Amen? <clears throat> Week one of our I Am series, we saw, uh, he said, I am coming, right? And we saw the, the pregnancy of, of something that was going to be giving birth. We saw that he says, I'm the God that's going to come into the world. I'm the God that's going to come into your life. I'm the God that can actually intervene. I'm coming to do something. It's not just uh, a nice story. It's not just something that I had planned and I want to make sure it comes to fruition. He says, I'm coming with a purpose, right? In week two, we saw that he said, I am aware. I know who you are. I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. I know what you've done, Right? We talked about he's, he's much better than Santa, knowing whether you're naughty or nice. A whole bunch of naughty kids got gifts anyway this Christmas, didn't they? <laughs> got spoiled. Many of us naughty adults, right, still got blessed this Christmas. First person I walked up on outside, one of the, uh, the young uh, youth members, and I asked her, I said, did you get everything that, you, that your heart desired this Christmas? And her eyes got really big, and she said, more than what I wanted. Because <laughs> God's aware, right? And he wants to bless us. But we saw that in week two, that we serve the God who is aware. He's not immovable. He's not emotionless. He actually knows what's going on with us, right? He's actually intimately and emotionally involved in what your situation and your circumstance is this morning. Right? He's aware of things. In week three, we saw him say that I am able. You know, I, I keep rerunning these things through my mind, and I pray that you guys have been praying about them as well as you prepare this place for God, rerunning the messages that we've been talking about in December, listening to them in the app or on the website. But this, this statement kept coming uh, back to me from week three about I am able. We said, what good is a God who is coming, and he's aware of what you're doing or what you've been through or what you're going through, but he's unable to do anything about it when he gets here? I keep thinking about that. You know, we serve him. I know, he's, I know he's coming. I know he came into the world. I know he's aware of my situation as Vaughn Jarrett, not as a member of the way, not as anything else, as Vaughn. He's aware of me and my situation. But what good is it if he gets here and he can't do anything about it? He's unable, right? And likewise, what good is a God who is able? He's almighty. He's all powerful. He spoke the world into existence. On the way to church this morning, my daughter said, I can't believe that we're spinning around and we can't even feel it. That's the God that we serve that created all these things, right? But what good is a God that's that crazy and that amazing and that powerful, but if he's unaware of your situation and he doesn't come to you, he stays out there in the cosmos, right? So I've been thinking about those things. I love the fact that we serve the God who is able. He's aware, he's coming, and he's able when he arrives. And this morning, Jesus says to you and to I, finally, I am here. I am here, right? I'm glad that he was coming. <laughs> I'm glad that he's aware. I'm glad he's able to do something, but... It makes all the difference, the fact, when he actually arrives, right? The kids have known that Christmas has been coming for a long time. They've been writing lists. They've been doing all kinds of stuff. But this morning, it was here. Somebody say amen. This morning, they came downstairs, and it was better than the other mornings when they were anticipating, right? 
when they ripped through things. It was, it was powerful. I, I'm, I'm going to try to be brief this morning, I promise. But came downstairs this morning. My son, he was the first one, Nate, oldest one. He was up. He was good. He, he kept coming into our room. Can we go down yet? Can we go down yet? Boy, it's 4.30. <laughs> go back to bed. So finally, like at 6, 6.15, whatever it was, we, we all went down. Naomi came. We, we woke Niall up. We all went down there. They were jumping up and down, running around the living room, you know, looking at all the gifts and stuff. And then Nate, of all people, Nate says, hey, stop. We have to pray. Right? He stopped. He stopped. He gathered the whole family. Amen. He gathered the whole family right there. And then Naomi said, Naomi said, who's going to pray? And Niall said, I don't want to pray. <laughs> I got to keep it real. Niall ain't there yet. Because I don't want to pray. I want to open something. But Nate said, not only did he say we need to pray, but he said, I'll pray. And then he led our family in prayer this morning before we, before we open these gifts, right? And I felt like this. I felt like, man, he's here. The I am is here. He's in my home. He's in my children, right? We can stop before we receive the gifts and give thanks to the giver. That's why the Bible says we need to have childlike faith. If we can continue that as adults to stop before we receive all the gifts that the Father pours into our lives and thank the giver of those gifts, imagine the things he can do in our lives. Amen? The one that you've been preparing a place for this season and the one that you've been waiting for this morning says, I'm here. Right? We talked about it all month of December. Prepare a place. Make room. Prepare a place for him. And I pray that uh, you get to hear him this morning speak specifically to you, not just the word for the church, but specifically to every individual this morning. I hope you hear the voice of God saying, I'm here. I'm here for you. Thank you for preparing a place, and here I am. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am here. What you've been waiting for and what you've been preparing for has arrived. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning to be in your word. We thank you this morning to look up, Lord, and just be in awe of you. Even as the shepherd, Lord God, even as their pastor, Lord, in my, in my heart, I felt that, that many would spend time at home today. I felt that many would, would give you their love from a distance, Lord. But I'm in all of you. With you, all things are possible. To be in your house, Lord, to be part of this church and to see people come out to glorify you, Lord, to thank you, to worship you, to praise you, Lord, to not take a day off, to not take a Sunday off, to not have an excuse why Christmas is the perfect time to stay out of your house, but to be here, Lord God. I'm in all of you, Lord, and I know that you're here. I ask that you would just have your way. You've arrived and you've come for a reason. You didn't just come to see us here in this place this morning. You have gifts for us, Lord God. I pray that you would deliver them, Lord, that we would receive them, Father God, that you would have your way, that you would do another miracle this Christmas like you've done every Christmas past. Have your way in your people. Have your way over your people, Lord, this morning. We thank you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
good story, amen? <laughs> In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. In our faith, we can't forget that it's a virgin birth, right? That she's with this child, and his name is Emmanuel, God in the flesh, God with us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He says, I'm here. I was far. I was in heaven. I was separated from you. But through the virgin birth and the word becoming flesh, that he's actually with us. Can you imagine? Right? These movies, they can't do it justice, what actually took place, the trust that God has in you and I to come into the world, a child in a manger, given to a man and to a woman, right, to care for and to take care of and to nurture. That's at his birth, right, on Christmas. He's here, Emmanuel, right, God with us, the word becoming flesh. At the end of his life, John chapter 18, verse 37, he's about to be crucified, and Pilate is talking to him. It says, Pilate said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He says, this is why I am here. This is why I came into the world. I am a king, and I'm here to testify to the truth. I'm here to tell everybody about salvation. I'm here to provide and open that door for you, right? He says, all I do is speak the truth, and anybody who hears the truth hears my voice. It's an amazing statement at the end of his life. Christmas truly is about heaven touching earth. That's what Christmas is. The Christmas story, when somebody asks you, what is Christmas and what does it mean? Oh, Jesus was born. He came into the world, and he died for our sins. It's heaven touching earth. Truly, heaven touching earth, God being with us. Listen to what God says awaits you in heaven. A lot of Christians, we're waiting for the end because this life, for some reason, is very difficult. So we can't, we can't really put our hearts and our focus and our attention to our lives now. We've, we have this hope of a future and this hope of heaven. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that heaven. Revelation 21.3 says, I heard a loud voice from heaven. Say heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. It says that that's what it's going to be like when you come into the tabernacle, when you come into the church, when you're in heaven. It won't be a pastor up here, right? It won't be, uh, uh, well, there, there'll still be a worship team, and many of these people will still be in that choir. But it won't be somebody else giving you the word. It says that God himself will be with us there in the tabernacle, right? It goes on to say, later on in Revelation 21, verse 22, says this, that there was no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. That's what I mean when I say that Christmas is heaven touching earth. Christ is the confirmation of that which is coming. He came down from that place where angels sing and angels worship and there's no sun or moon and there's just light, right, proceeding from God and proceeding from Christ. And he comes down in, into the world and says, I want to tell you and prepare you for what's ahead of you. Heaven comes down to earth to encourage us, to strengthen us, to call us to that place. For many of us, we're going to miss it. Not only does he give us 
this vision or this glimpse at what's ahead of you and I, he gives us a, a taste of, of it right now. It'd be one thing if he said, listen, when you die, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great for you. We're going to be there with you all the time. There's going to be light, no more tears, right? No more sorrow, nothing but joy, streets paved with gold. Go anywhere you want, whenever you want, all those types of things. But you just got to wait until then. David said, if I, if I didn't believe I could see the goodness of God in the land of the living right here, right now, I won't make it. That's what Jesus does when heaven touches earth. He says, I'm going to give you a taste of it now, though. I'm not just going to tell you about what's ahead of you right now. Say right now. Yeah. Right now, you get to get a taste of it, a touch of it, a feel of it. And it's real. It's tangible. It's pure. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Not only when you get to heaven and there's no sun and no moon because the light is proceeding from me and from my Father. He says, right now, I've come into the world. I am here and I am the light of the world. See, when you receive the birth of Christ, when you really receive Christmas, what that does is it shines a light that allows you to see in a dimension that you otherwise could not see in. Let me say that again. He says, I'm the light of the world. When you receive the light of the world, when you receive the birth of Christ, when it becomes more than just a holiday, more than just a good story of hope, right, for your hurting heart, when it really becomes God with us, Emmanuel, the word becomes flesh out of heaven and into this world. When you receive that, that light, it shines and illuminates a dimension that you couldn't see in otherwise. It's like going to see a movie in 3D. If you don't have the glasses on, it's all blurry. You can't really tell what's going on. Put those glasses on and it's amazing. Many of us remember when 3D first came out. You remember like Captain EO at Disneyland? Right? It was like the coolest thing. But watch a 3D movie now. It's getting better and better and better. There's, there's dimensions that if you don't have the right lenses, you can't see. And if you don't have the right lens of Christ and Christmas, you can't see what he's really doing. You can't see it. You want to see it. You hope it's real. You hear that other people see it, but you will not see it until you receive Christmas. You really receive Christmas for what it is this light that illuminates. Colossians 1.13 says, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Listen, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the light of the world. You can see things you couldn't see before because they're invisible. But in Christ and through Christ, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Do you want to see it this morning? Do you want to see it this morning? Did you prepare a place? Did you pay the little extra admission to get the right 3D glasses? Are you watching it in IMAX or are you got some little bootleg copy of the movie on your phone from somebody else? You see what I'm saying? He's the image of the invisible God. He's the creator of everything, things that you can see and things that you can't see. And if you receive the birth, if you receive Christmas, you'll be able to see things that are amazing. Amazing, I'm telling you. So this morning, even though I want to, there's no way that we can cover it all. You know what? We spend all year talking about Christmas. Every service is about Christmas. <laughs> every service is about Christmas and every service is about Easter. If there's no birth of Christ and there's no death of Christ, there's no reason to come in here. Amen? So I'm not going to try to cover it all today. What I am going to do is just look at two different portions of Scripture about the Christmas story. The first is Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. 
And I'm going to read through the, uh, the story down to verse 20. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be up for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Say everyone. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Say no room. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Amen. So imagine this scene of these shepherds out at night, tending to their flock, an angel shows up, begins to talk to them, and then all of a sudden it sounds like hundreds of angels show up and begin to have a worship service. You know when the Bible says that when a sinner turns to the Lord that all of heaven rejoices, that's the scene that we should be picturing. Every time somebody raises their hand, every time somebody comes to the altar, when you get to be a witness of that, we should be part of that choir and that procession of people who are praising God. There should be nothing more exciting for us than to see somebody become aware of their Savior and turn to him. See, heaven touching earth, when, when you receive the child, you can see things like that. Many of us come in and out of church, and we've seen services, and we've seen things, and it doesn't move us, but I don't think we can see with the right lenses what a big deal it is when somebody comes to the Lord. What a big deal it is when somebody is led to the Lord. Isn't that what the angels did right here? They told somebody where they could find the Lord and led them to the Lord. Wow. So it starts with a census and a registry, and it helped fulfill prophecy because Joseph had to take Mary, right? The, the Caesar, Augustus, the ruler says, you know what? We need everybody to be registered. Everybody go to your hometown and be counted. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to travel. She was nine months pregnant. Any of you have had, had babies, do you want to travel that far by donkey <laughs> when you're pregnant? Of course they don't want to go, but it fulfills prophecy. Why? Because it said he would be born in Bethlehem. 
And they had to come through all these cities to get to Bethlehem. Why? Because the will of God is going to be done in your life. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. You can either deny God and be far from him. Otherwise, if you turn to God, he's going to get you where you need to be, whether you want to go or not. Sometimes being forced into a place that we don't necessarily want to be is exactly what God does to position us for what he wants to do in our lives. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to show up. I don't want to help. I don't want to, whatever it is that you don't want to do, sometimes God will make you do that so you can be in the right position for your destiny to be fulfilled. Mary had every reason to say, you know what? I don't want to go to Bethlehem. I don't even like your people, Joseph. But she went. It also reminds us with this census that as Christians, as believers, we have to stand up and be counted with the children of God. Right? Stand up and be counted with believers. How many people know that you're a believer? How many people know that, that if there's a census, hey, I'm counted with the children of God? If you read your Bible in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers is exactly that. They numbered and they counted the 12 tribes of Israel. That number continues to grow. Like I said before, every time somebody comes to the Lord, that number increases by one. And they're counted. They're accounted for and they're accountable for. All right? I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome that Joseph says, you know what, I have, to, I have to stand up and be counted with my people. As believers, as Christians, I pray that your, your, your strength or your loyalties, that you, are st that you stand up and be counted with the children of God, with the men and women of God. Right. Verse 7 says this. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Like we talked about this whole month, this whole series, but ultimately all the time, it's been about making room for him and preparing a place for God in your life. Making room and preparing a place. This is not a one-time problem. When Jesus came into the world and there was no room for him in the end, right? You saw it on the video there. Joseph's like, help, help. We need help. Let us have somewhere. Somebody let us in. There's no room for them in the end. They end up in a barn, and he's born and put in a manger. It's not a one-time problem. It's the same problem that we all have today, making room for him. We can't look at the people of that day and say, you know what? Something was wrong with them. If they had known, they would have done something. You know, <laughs> and I know, and we have the same issue today. I'm so, like I said, I'm so honored to look out at this group of people and say, wow, they, they made room today. They made room today. But you have to make room tomorrow. Somebody say amen. You got to make room the rest of the week to get into this. You got to make room in your finances when you're budgeting all the stuff you did at Christmas. You got to make room for him. It's the ongoing issue that we have as believers when we're stuck in this world. Heaven comes and touches earth, right? But it's hard to stay in that heavenly realm. Continue to make room for him. I want to focus on these shepherds for a minute. Tending the flock at night. Of all the people that God could announce the birth of Christ to, the Messiah coming into the world, does anybody find it interesting that he chose these shepherds in the middle of a field to announce the coming of the king? They're lowly. They're dirty. It's one of the, the worst professions of that time. Nobody wants to be around them. You need everything that they provide for you, but they're not the type of people in society that you want to be associated with. Of all the people that God would say, I'm here to, he chooses these shepherds. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, See your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 
If you look at people and you say, oh, that would be a great Christian, and that would be a great speaker, and that would be a, a great minister, and that would be a great worshiper, you're looking for the wrong people. He typically chooses those who don't look like they're much. Those who don't look like they have skills, talents, and abilities. Why? Because those are the ones that God can get the glory through. I tell people in the church all the time, I wish you would have known us before you know us now. One of the reasons I was excited to give our testimony is because it reminds me of where we started and where he found us and how bad it was. When I couldn't talk without stuttering, where I didn't even like to hear my own voice, where the last thing I would do is get up and talk about anything, especially God to anybody, where me and Mary were wrestling every day with whether or not we were going to survive when we first got married and I'm flipping couches and throwing things across the house. Like, I wish you guys saw that because it's not what you see today. What it is is the foolish and the unwise, the shepherds of life, those who are not that he calls to be, right? That's why I love to watch people get saved in this church, because they come in just like we came in. And then as time goes by, other people look at them and say, oh, they've probably always been like, no, they were jacked up like you are when you got here. That's why we have to keep getting people saved, otherwise we'll forget. <laughs> Verse 10 in, uh, in Luke chapter 2 says this, the angel said to these shepherds, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Listen to what the shepherds actually said to the, or excuse me, the angel said to the shepherds. Great joy, which will be to all people, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. They're praising God because joy is coming into the world. These angels, and they're telling the shepherds, and because peace is coming to the world, and goodwill is coming to the world. They know how dark the world is. They know how dark our hearts are. They know that there's murder, that there's rape, that there's envy, right, that there's abuse. They know all these things, but they can't help themselves but be overjoyed with the fact that this baby has come into the world because they know what he's going to bring into the, the lives of everybody. It says to all people, not just to the saved. The world is a better place because of Jesus. If there was no Jesus and darkness was running free, could you imagine what this world would be like? At least it's withheld a little bit because of the Holy Spirit. So the most important thing at Christmas is our response to the good news. Say good news. The angels show up and they give them good news. Peace, goodwill, joy, it's for everybody. But they have to respond. You have to respond to the good news. Otherwise, it's not really that good. It's just news. They go straight to the manger, it says in verse 15. The angels went away, went into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Straight to the manger. Straight. They hear the revelation. They hear the story. They receive the good news, and they go right away. They talk to each other. What should we do? Let's go. Let's respond. And they find him literally in the manger. Think about that. The first few people to see God come into the world, obviously Mary and Joseph, and then these dirty shepherds. But who do we want to hear the word of God from? And who do we want to pray for us? Who are we looking for that we believe is close to God for some reason? We should be looking for the fruit like this. Straight to the manger, that's a response. 
There's some people who do that. They go straight to Jesus as soon as they hear. The revelation seems to be so clear for them, right? Angels literally show up out of nowhere, talk to these people and say, God is real. Jesus is real. You need to go find him. Here's where he is. And it's like this perfect fairy tale story for them. And then there's others of us who have a much different journey <laughs> to the king, right? How many of you had angels appear? How many of you, after an angel appeared to you and told you about Jesus, all of a sudden there was a bunch of angels and they had a worship service with you? So we all have maybe in this room a little bit of a different journey to find the Lord. How many of you know, though, people who have kind of experienced something like that, where God just revealed himself to them and they didn't, they didn't waste any time. They just said, you know what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm going to serve God through high school. I'm going to, you know, we all know people like that that seem to just, it wasn't that difficult of a decision for them. It wasn't very hard for them to find the Lord. For the rest of us here, though, this next story kind of, in my mind, is a little bit more familiar to us. In Matthew chapter 2, this is the last portion I want to share with you guys. Matthew chapter 2, same story, the birth of Christ. Say Christmas. Same Christmas story. You need to read all the Gospels, amen. We read it in Luke. Let's listen to what Matthew has to say. Luke, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Say another way. For many of us, it was another way to Jesus. This is a different road to the king. There's many roads that lead to the king, but he's the only way. He's the gate, right? He is the narrow road that you get on, but there's many ways to get to that road and to get to that gate. In my mind, in many ways, this road took more diligence. Once they got the revelation, right, they saw the star, they knew he was coming. It took more diligence to get to the place where they can have that realized, to get to the place where Jesus was so they could hear the words, I am here, for themselves. It's one thing for, for angels to show up, tell you he's here. You take a short journey to the manger, and he's still in the manger. It's another thing what these guys had to go through. They saw the star in the east. It kept moving. Then it finally stopped, right? They had to go through leaders, right? They had to go through authority to come to, to come to Herod. They had to keep going beyond those things. 
The star finally stops, right? They rejoice and they come into this place. But it was long after the shepherds had already come and gone. Many of us, we saw people come to the Lord, walk with the Lord, and we didn't, we didn't experience that. We didn't have that reality for ourselves. These shepherds had come and gone already, and these wise men are finally getting there. I remember having that feeling when I got saved, like, man, I'm finally here. I, I, didn't, re- I didn't know this was real, and, and all- what about all these people who were here before me? They should have told me. <laughs> I should have been listening, maybe is probably a better way to say it. So they arrive. Jesus is in the house here where the wise men meet him, right? Be careful what you watch. That's not what we saw in the video, right? We saw the shepherds come in. Believe me, this is better than any movie you could watch, okay? <laughs> Read this one. Then you can watch the movie. Enjoy yourself. But listen, the shepherds, they saw the, the angel. The angel spoke to them. They went there. They saw him in the manger. What this scripture says is when did the wise men show up? They showed up later. He was in a house already with his mother. It took them a while to get there. They went through Herod. They had to travel far. That's diligent to get to the king. It's okay if your journey's different. It's okay if it's harder to get there. It's okay if there's more obstacles that you have to go through. Be diligent. Wise men still seek him. We've seen that sign up, right? I believe that with all my heart. Wise men still seek him. And they don't quit. They don't give up until they find him. Until you get to the house, until you walk into the house of God and you find the child and you receive Christmas and you hear him say to you, I am here, keep going towards the light. That's why he gives us the light. That's why he says, I'm the light of the world. Just come towards me. You'll come out of darkness. If you have a well-lit room, there's shadows all over the place and it's not a big deal to you. But if you understand that you live in darkness, one little pinhole of light will draw your attention. When he says, I'm the light of the world, that's what he's saying. He says, this world is dark. And whether you want to believe it or not, it's dark but I'm the light of the world. No matter who you are or where you are, you can see me. Come to the light. Be wise. Be like the shepherds who didn't give up. They went through authority, right? They went through kings. They, they went through uh, being deterred, and they kept going. They weren't the first ones to get there, and they didn't give up. When you finally get to the king, I believe you're compelled to do two things, worship and give. Why, do we, why are we praise chapel? Why do we start every service with worship and end every service with worship? Just because that's our DNA and that's what we like to do? No, because that's what you should do when you find the king. You should worship him. You overcome your fears. You overcome that desire not to open your mouth. You say, you know what? I found the king. If I can't worship him, who can I worship? Listen to what the, the wise men did in verse 11. They came into the house. They saw the young child. Say young child. It's not a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. It's a young child. With Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Christmas, we understand the gift that we receive, right? The spiritual gift of salvation. What did we sing in this song? We're going to sing it again. But uh, you open heaven's gates. I mean, that's the only gift you need, church. <laughs> Heaven touching earth and then open heaven's gates for you. Fall down and worship and give him anything you got and everything you got. That's what the wise men did. They showed up and they didn't say, what do you have for me, Jesus? They said, I got something for you. You see how we have to live biblically instead of what we've been told about what Jesus has for you? He has an open gate into heaven for you. Anything else after that is just icing on the cake. Give him your life. I'm going to close with this. It's a little bit of a warning this morning. (laughs) Somebody said, oh, Jesus, I heard it. 
That's right, Christmas, oh Jesus. Here comes the warning. You thought it was going to be all gifts and presents and joy? <laughs> joy to the world? That ain't in the Bible, that ain't in Psalms. <laughs> it's not that bad of a warning, but it's important. Say it's important. Verses 3 through 6. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. There are those who want to seek the king, but not to worship him to deny him to his face. Herod wanted to know where he was, where he was born, how to find him. He told him, bring him back to me. Why? Because he wanted to worship him, because he wanted salvation, because he wanted forgiveness. No, he wanted to deny him to his face. I'm the king. I'm the ruler. I don't need you. And if anybody else sees the two of us in the same place, I want them to know that I'm not afraid of you. I don't honor you. I don't love you. And they don't need you. They need me. There are people around us there are people in every church. There are people in every place that you work in. They would love to be introduced to God, but not to serve him, to deny him to his face. It's crazy. Some people's hearts have been so hardened that they will refuse salvation, and they'll try their hardest to make sure that nobody else gets to receive it either. A literal hate for God. You know what it's called in the Bible? It's called antichrist. It's not just one person. It's the, it's the spirit of being antichrist. Jesus came into the world, and Herod wanted him dead so bad. We studied this a while back, that Herod sent and had every male child under the age of two in Bethlehem and the surrounding cities murdered. Every male child. Imagine a 50-mile radius of here, every male child under the age of two being murdered. Today, Christmas. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. When we rejoice about the gift, remember that there's darkness, that there's Antichrist. So it may be hard for you to understand, but there's even something worse than Herod, in my opinion. What he did and what he wanted and how he was living. And it's this. He called the chief priests and the scribes of the church. Say the church. He asked them, the, the wise men come and say, where is he? We saw the star. Where is he? Herod tells him, go find him and come back. Then he goes to the church and he tells the scribes and the Pharisees, the church leaders, he says, tell me about this child. Who is he? Where is he coming? When is he coming? And the scribes and the Pharisees tell him, he's, he's going to be God with us. He's Emmanuel. He's going to be in Bethlehem. His star is in the sky. They knew who he was. They knew he was coming. They saw the star in the sky the same way that the, uh, that the wise men did, but they did not respond. They didn't respond. They didn't go anywhere. They actually betrayed him to Herod. To me, it's worse than being an antichrist and being anti-God is to pretend like you love God and you want God and to betray him and to not respond when he moves and not to respond to the light when he shines it. Can you imagine that? They knew the prophecy. They knew he was coming. They knew where he'd be in what city. How could you be in any other city if you knew the city that Jesus was coming to? A failure to respond. He says, I'm here, but only the people who get there get to hear it. Does that make sense this morning? He says, I'm here. I'm here, 
But you won't hear it unless you are here. <laughs> we know where he is this morning. If you've seen the star in the sky, if you know the significance of the child, you have to respond again this morning. You've seen the light. You know how dark the world is, and maybe it's a pinhole to you, and maybe now it's blinding like it was with Moses where he couldn't even turn to it, and his face came down glowing. But everybody, I believe, in this room this morning has seen the light to some degree. And again today, Christmas 2016, we have to respond. Don't be antichrist, and don't be pharisaical. Church folks who don't respond to Jesus anymore. Nothing could be worse on Christmas. Nothing could be worse on Christmas. Make room and prepare a place for him. And if you haven't yet, today could be your day to stand up and be counted with the children of God. Adding to the number. The Bible says that all the hosts of heaven will rejoice over one sinner who comes to the Lord. Let's pray. Why don't you guys stand with me? Worship team, would you come? We're going to close our Christmas service with singing, The King is Here. If you haven't already done this, you would be wise. See, that's Jesus confirming. Everybody say wise. wise. Say wise. wise. You would be wise to bow before the great I am and give him your life. This morning, you may not have gold and frankincense and myrrh, but you have a life that's very valuable. And on Christmas, Christians don't come to receive gifts. We come to give them. We give our lives, we give our time, we give our effort, we give our, our treasure, we give whatever it is that we have to honor him because we know that what he's given is so much more valuable. Nothing could ever repay it. Nothing could ever repay him for what he's done. And that's what makes us wise is that we understand that and we just lay down our lives to him. We bow down. So as we sing this song, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask everybody that you would uh, be willing to respond this morning. If you're a Christian, like I said, you've made room, I pray. You've prepared a place for him. He's not in your backyard in the weeds. <laughs> He's got the best seat at the table. He's got a room all his own. You stay on the couch and he gets the room. That kind of place is what I'm talking about in the spirit this morning. So I want to pray with, with you this morning that you would hear his voice in these last few minutes of, of, uh, of worship. That he would say to you, I'm here. I am here. More than us singing, the king is here. I pray that you hear him saying, I am here. Let it be confirmed. If you're hearing the truth this morning, he says, you're hearing my voice. And then for those of you that uh, maybe you don't know the Lord yet, that you would respond and just bow before him and ask him to show you what Christmas really means. Not just another day. Not a happy holidays or a merry Christmas or a time to see family and all that kind of stuff. No, Christmas is about heaven touching earth. This morning, heaven can touch earth in your life. He can intervene. That's what he does. That's what he came to do. He doesn't care about anything else more than he cares about that this morning. So bow your heads with me, Lord. We believe that you're here. Many of us have had our eyes open, Lord. We see into a realm that we didn't even know existed before. We pray that you would help us to see more and more clearly, Lord God. 
Continue to reveal yourself as we make room and as we prepare a place, Lord. Show us who you are. Tell us that you're here, that you're able, that you're aware, that you've come for this very purpose to intervene on our behalf, Lord. First to save us and then to pour out gifts and blessings into our lives, Lord God. Oh, that we would be men and women that continue to respond. One response is not enough, Lord God. Every day we need to respond to you, Lord. Help us this morning. For those that don't know you intimately here in this place, God, I pray that you would shine your light in such a way into their lives this morning that it's undeniable, God. Who you are, why you came, what you have for them, that they would respond like the shepherds did immediately, Lord God, and come to you to see you, to hear you for themselves, to enter into a relationship with you and be counted, Lord, as sons and daughters of the living God, that the host of heaven would rejoice at their worship this morning, this service, <laughs> would be just like ours, Lord, lifting you up and praising you for all that you've done, all that you're still doing, Lord, that you gave us one more day to see more people saved this morning, God. You could have returned and come back yesterday, Lord, but you gave us one more day and one more opportunity. I pray that we would make the most of it this morning, God. Lord, have your way this Christmas. We know that you're here. We sing to you. We lay down our lives. We give you everything that we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.